2: new year and thanks for listening to that's messed up an svu pod i am lisa traeger and i am kara clank oh my god lisa we did it we are done with 2020
1: the worst year of all time and uh I'm so excited for what 2021 is going to bring.
2: Me too. I actually have something to bring up that I've learned and I'm kind of, and you probably know it, so I'm pissed already, (laughs) but you know, forensics means that like dead people and study of science. And then I just learned that it also means debate team. Oh, I just heard that yesterday on a podcast. How did you... That's so crazy because our mutual friend posted like an old sweatshirt from her high school and was like killed it in forensics team. So I was like, what? And then it's debate. It has nothing. I don't understand why I've been. What the fuck? Wow. Yeah. I just heard that on
1: another podcast, which, by the way, not to plug other podcasts that aren't on exactly right, but I've been listening to the most (laughs) fascinating podcast called Chameleon about the Hollywood con queen. It is wow, it is so good. And there is a part in it where they talk about somebody being on a forensics team. And I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, oh, forensics must mean debate. But I didn't know, Lisa. So you and I getting smarter in 2021.
2: (laughs) Also, there is an SVU episode named Chameleon. So that ties in. Mm -hmm. And then also, I just watched a video on the Internet and it was like a chameleon climbing different colored pencils and every colored pencil it touched, it turned into that color. And maybe our listeners would like to look at that. (laughs) Um, so
1: somebody wrote to us on Twitter and was like, would you guys rather be a dead body or find the body? And I was like, obviously find the body. I need a line. Like, I do not want to be just like lying in front of Tamar Tooney with my chest cut open. How I'll take it, but my preference is a line. You know what I mean? I'm just, um, hoping to
2: one day audition. Lisa, you've auditioned. I have auditioned and I bombed so bad. I, (laughs) it's. It's really upsetting, but, um, yeah, I got to go to Chelsea Piers. I had an SVU audition to be a process server and I had one line where I go Lieutenant Olivia Benson. And then I hand over a piece of paper on the steps of the courtroom. That's all. And, um, I go into the audition room and I do it and they said, you're smiling too much. You need to stop smiling.
1: <laughs> so, cause you were just like gagged me <laughs> talking yeah. to an invisible Olivia Benson in this audition.
2: (laughs) yeah i was just thrilled all the signage around the building just being there i mean yeah i was just like too happy and they're like yeah this is just a job like you serve papers every day you really aren't this excited so (laughs) can you just do it again and when i did it again i accidentally handed over the paperwork before i said lieutenant olivia benson and the casting director just went okay you gotta go and then i had to just leave sadly. And then I went and ate Middle Middle Eastern food with a friend, but I was so sad.
1: It just wasn't your time. It wasn't your time.
2: No, I also had another bad audition for something. I auditioned for Broad City and I had to say edamame, but I kept saying empanadas. And after every take, they're like, can you just please say edamame? And I'd be like, oh, absolutely. And then I kept saying empanadas and then they asked me to leave. Hey, I uh, auditioned
1: and got a part on on, uh, Broad City, which was cut. So, you know, uh, we all have our fun stories. Do you have any bad audition stories? Oh, my God. Well, on my way to the Broad City audition, I completely sprained my ankle. I dragged myself into the audition <laughs> like I was like and there were basically like tear mascara tears running down my face so and they were like, are you OK? I was like, yeah, just kind of I tried to wear wedges to like look cute. And my ankle just fully rolled on my way there. Like people rushed to me on the ground. They were like, are you OK? I went down hard. It was like me at a wedding, Lisa.
2: (laughs) That's a lesson, though. Don't wear
1: wedges. Oh, I threw them away afterwards. I was just like, these I can never (laughs) wear again. It was like the worst spring.
2: I didn't know wedges were disgusting. And then I was watching. Yeah, I've learned recently you can't wear wedges. It's like a big fashion no-no. Oh, really? They were cute. I mean, they were cute. I see people wear them, and they look well. Because on Beverly Hills Housewives, Lisa Vanderpump had a pink diamonds and wedges party, and Erica Gerardi Jane in legal trouble right now. <laughs> Her head stylist was like wedges and was appalled. <laughs> so that's when I learned.
0: Well, you can't this wear wedges. was probably in like
1: 2014. So I mean, I, I feel like I was okay back
2: then. But you're right. I'm I'm off the wedge train. I'm too tall for wedges. I'm five nine. I don't need to be taller. I do have one more bad audition. I'd like to say I was like bombing so bad that in the middle of it i go could we just please stop i want to leave like this is not going well and she goes no please finish i'm like please i don't want to finish and they made me finish and then when i walked outside lena hall broadway's lena hall was going in after me so she had like just been nominated for a tony for a hedwig and i had to I, it was just i mean i was happy to see her but it was really humiliating i always
1: love doing commercial auditions where uh, a famous person is right next to me i'm like why am i here like you're obviously gonna give it to this famous person who as, like, facial recognition, but okay.
2: They might be more expensive. I don't know. Is everyone relating to know. our audition chats?
1: <laughs> so, today's episode is Babes. It's season 10, episode six. So, it's, um, It's Pre-Stabler Departure. Uh, It's a really good one. I think this episode is so iconic. I'm also very obsessed with the story that it's based on.
2: Um, We record our intros after we record the crime and recap of the episode um, so we can, like, listen to it and then do a fun little intro. And I do need to do a disclaimer. I am very judgmental, and I don't need anyone coming for me. I acknowledge it. I am very anti-pregnancy and anti-parenthood. I am projecting my own stuff onto people, and I would just like to go on the record and say, do not come for me. You're just expressing
1: your uh, (laughs) desire to be child-free in a very passionate way, and we just don't want anyone to think that you're judging their choices because you're speaking for yourself.
2: Correct. Yes, yes, yes.
1: (laughs) And you are friends with me who has a child, You're yeah, so, <laughs> me. So you repeatedly refer to p- uh, parenthood as a nightmare, so I, I totally am not offended by that. I just because I love being a parent. I'm actually pregnant. I'm having another baby. So I am. Endure- I'm getting on the nightmare roller coaster another time. I love
2: it. What an <laughs> announcement. That's a what is it? An exclusive An exclusive. exclusive. You heard exclusive. it here first. Our messed up fam. I'm excited for Rosie to have a baby to beat down. And oh, boss she's going to be such
1: a little boss. It's going to be a problem.
2: <laughs> it's going to be
1: really, really cute.
2: Yeah. You've always wanted to be a parent. I feel like Yeah. And so we both have totally
1: different journeys. And so we're not trying to project that onto the girls in this episode. However, they make some bad choices. Let's just say that. Let's just say they make some bad choices. I think we're allowed to call that out. Um, So what should we just get going? Let's get to the episode. This is Babes. Enjoy. All right. Let's jump into Babes iconic episode uh, based on a case that is very dear to me and Lisa, which we'll get into later. But um, this episode starts. This is one of those episodes that truly takes like seven left turns. Like it's just so crazy. Like it starts out with some amazing acting from uh, a couple of extras who are two people on a date, and then there's two waiters that are just waiting for them to get be done with their fucking date. And there's all these jokes. Like he's gonna stiff us harder than he stiffs her. And the only thing flaming here is the maitre d. Like just all these like SVU style jokes that and I'm they're the worst
2: couple they're the worst couple they are the people where the chairs are up the servers are waiting they want to yeah. go the fuck home and these guys just won't go home just have sex why would you yeah. eat dessert when you can go fuck <laughs> exactly so maybe they did the dan savage thing and they had sex before
1: their meal but listen so essentially they're sitting there having dinner they're talking about having flambe for dessert cue a human man stumbling through the empty streets of new york fully on fire it's um one of these insane things that like you're like only in new york (laughs) moments do happen in new york but that is truly only on svu's new york
2: yeah Um, also only on svu we're not even two minutes into a show and there's a man fully on fire running through the streets yeah so Melinda Warner shows up. She kind of explains
1: what's going on. This guy was castrated, stabbed, then set on fire. Um, whoever did this wanted the guy to suffer. She gets a little quip where she's like, follow the bloody brick road. You know, she gets uh, <laughs> they want to f- figure out where this guy came from. And then after the credits were in the Emmy's office where we're getting some really gross, gross shots of stab wounds, which I would say that they don't usually show stuff that graphic, but it
2: was pretty nasty. And then one of the most horrific things I've ever seen on the show.
1: Yeah. One of the most horrific things I've ever seen on the show, which is Melinda Warner, the medical examiner, rehydrates a torched finger. So she like, uh, Lisa likes to give credit to the Foley artists in a lot of (laughs) these episodes. Like whoever was doing that, it's like this disgusting sound while she puts a, puts a syringe into a finger to like fill it with water so that she can get
2: a, uh, and it looks like a thumb. It looks like Mitch McConnell's hand, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> or like a mummy. When they unravel a yes. mummy, that's yeah. what the
1: thumb looks like. Yeah. It's a really gross, and they are able to get a fingerprint. And the victim is named Josh Galley, who they assume is homeless based on like a lot of stuff that's going on. He was off the charts for alcohol and crack. He seemed to have been living on the streets. Um, so then we're at his house, actually, because he's not actually like a, like a fully homeless person. He has a home. And uh, we're talking to his father, Tom Galley, played by Michael Battaluco, who uh, you might know from The Practice. He is a pretty well-known actor. And um, I did meet him on a subway platform in New York one time. He came up and asked me like directions or something. And I told him and then I said, hey, does anyone ever tell you that you look like that guy from The Practice? And he was like, they do because I am him. And I was like, oh, (laughs) wow.
2: I like it. Yeah. And
1: then we got on the same subway car and I was like, for sure, our friendship is going to flourish from here. He did not wasn't interested in talking once we got on the train.
2: The practice I remember watching as a child. And I think that kind of sparked my love for like procedural dramas. It taught me what suspense was and twists. And I remember really being inspired by that show.
1: Yeah, no, the the practice was a was a really good one. Um, Star
2: studded Marla Sokoloff from Full House fame.
1: Yeah, a lot of people that you're like, where did you go? You know, there's a lot of practice people that what happened to them? So we learned that Josh was like this great football player and everything was fine. And then he developed schizophrenia.
2: One of my biggest fears. Because you develop it in your 20s to learn, or your 30s, or maybe you do acid one time, and then suddenly you're schizophrenic. Like, it's really fucking scary. You have yeah. live a whole fun life, and then suddenly you think aliens are chasing you. Yeah, and his dad said he
1: was a super sweet guy, and he left it all on the field. And then, just real quick side note, Stabler goes, oh yeah, we used to play his team when I was in high school at Bayside. And I'm like, I know that Saved by the Bell happens in California, and this is New York, but I just want to believe for two seconds that Stabler was like beating up kids at the max. You know what I mean?
2: (laughs) But yeah, Maloney's knowledge of schools in New York, greater (laughs) area, is expert
1: level. It's going to come in to play in another few minutes. So it turns out that Josh was a schizophrenic. You know, meds weren't working. He turned to drugs. And that the the only uh, enemies he had in his life were the street cleaners, which are people who beat up homeless people and videotape it. And they basically see these videos of people like beating the shit out of homeless people. It's really awful. I don't know why anyone would do that or take videos of it, but Munch talks about how DV is taking over the internet and says, grandmas are emailing around two girls, one, one cup tagging it. LOL. I'm like, I don't think they are Munch. I don't think anyone got two girls, one cup from their grandma, but um, please write in if that's how you found two girls, one cup. Anyway, they set up this fake trap to catch the street cleaners. This is all kind of a red herring. Um, uh, Munch is ranting through the streets, acting like, you know, basically saying all the stuff he regularly says, but saying it in like a dirty jacket. And they arrest these two perpetrators like who a girl and a guy. They look like they would love good Charlotte. Like, that's the vibe. They yeah. Gave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and they're just like talking about how they beat up homeless people because a homeless guy killed her dad it's this whole like red herring thing and it kind of just ends up that they're not the ones who did it
2: well also what's so weird is their alibi is that they were at a nightclub at the Gansavort hotel and it's like there's no way they would have let you in yet they don't look like Gansavort
1: hotel people in any way but you know who knows?
2: But they had the photos. They had That's the, the
1: thing about the New York. <laughs> yeah, they have the photos that got paged through on a Blackberry which really warmed my heart cuz, <laughs> you know, I love a time stamp. Did you have Blackberry a Blackberry? Photo. Oh hell yeah.
2: You were clicking I and loved clacking Blackberry. Right here?
1: I was clicking and clacking. I could type on it under my desk like without be not like in school but like at work or something I could like type an email without looking at it like I was Blackberry. I always liked
2: that little ball for sure. Yeah. I didn't have a Blackberry but my friend did but I was jealous of that ball Love the ball. Love Blackberry messenger was like original like
1: was kind of like texting I mean texting was a thing but BBM you could like see if someone read your message it was like much more it was like quick it
2: was the best. Well you know the rumor is that Kim Kardashian still has a Blackberry for texting and then an iPhone for photos. <laughs> Just so just a rumor. I love that she cannot adapt. She cannot (laughs) use
1: touchscreen. Okay, so now we're back at the Emmy's office. It's one of those things where like, oh, where's the story going now? Guess what? Tamara Tooney has something for you. So she has found some electric match or something that was used to light this man on fire. It was found at the crime scene and it is engraved with BHHS, which, as Lisa has mentioned, Stabler immediately knows is Blessed Heart High School um, because he has an encyclopedic knowledge for Catholic schools in the New York area. So they show up at the school and they immediately meet Max, who is played by Jesse McCartney, Actor turned singer turned actor, actor turned singer turned actor. I think he's done is it, it all. Beautiful Soul? Yeah, he has a song called Beautiful, beautiful
2: soul. soul. Yeah, no, if that's how it goes. I don't but... want
1: a hand to hold. I don't want a, you know, it's like one of those. And uh, he runs a chastity club. Okay. And of course, at uh, the hottest guy at the Catholic school is going to be the head of the Virgin
2: Club. And you know, those virgin clubs never work. My, um, I have a friend, our feminist friend, I don't know. Well, we're all feminists, but (laughs) I have a friend that at 12, she was forced to sign a chastity thing and refused and all these other girls did. And then after they got out of high school, she was the only virgin left. All the girls that signed the chastity thing ended up fucking in high school and she just wasn't about that vibe. So I guess we all know that the contracts don't work, but I thought I'd add that anecdote.
1: Yeah. And this episode's about to prove the exact same thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So they find this guy who like run. I don't know. He's in like the science club or something. It's Alec Bernardi. He they question him. He's got a fully like burnt, mangled hand. So he's clearly a suspect in possibly setting this. um, And he does my favorite
2: thing where it's like when someone sees a cop and then suddenly starts being shifty and running around. Yeah, like like gathering their books and trying to get the hell out. Yeah. Act natural. If the cops are trying, you got to act chill. You can't
1: start running. I know. He's he's ba- I mean, we'll get We're going to get to it. But Alec Bernardi does nothing to help himself the entire time of this episode. <laughs> wow. um, so at the top of act two, Benson is back. Thank God. I thought this was going to be a Benson free episode. Turns out she was just at a three day battered women's conference, which listen, I think 12 years later, we're not saying that anymore. But uh, yeah, she's back from the twelve the battered woman conference and the coffee was bad. And then in March is Debbie Mazar into the into the uh, precinct.
2: I mean, I would the first time I saw this episode, I bet I gasped. I mean, to see Debbie in all her glory is pretty amazing. She has very striking eyes like her eyes are so,
1: so clear blue. And like, she's just really, you know, aggressive that New York kind of
2: she's like Madonna's best friend. Yeah. Yeah. She's very love her. Iconic. Her body is sick. And I I follow her on Instagram for a while. And she has a really hot chef husband. Oh,
1: that's fun. Yeah. Well, I wrote a little bit on the show Younger, so I was happy that she got to... I think she said, like, one thing I wrote. Anyway. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did punch up on the first season. I can't believe you
2: wouldn't tell me that, considering it's a Darren Star production. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I figured I mentioned it to you. Okay. We're wow. going to have to talk about this off no, mic. Congrats. You seem,
1: looking at your face, you seem very
2: betrayed. <laughs> well, because <laughs> outside of SVU, I mean, all my favorite shows are S, SVU, Sex and the City, Simpsons. They're all S's. Six yeah. Feet Under, Seinfeld. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> all the best shows are with S's. Um, okay. So, um, you Debbie, have to acknowledge Rosie.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. If you're hearing little squawks, if you're hearing little squawks, that is my daughter. I am at home. It is a pandemic. I I'm sorry I wasn't able to get to my normal studio space. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm a teen mom, just like you're going to find out pretty soon in this episode. So <laughs> she's out there and she she's pissed that we won't let her come on and talk because she loves SVU. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, if you hear her, that's her. Um, so, okay. So Debbie Mazar runs in. She wants to see Alex. She's his mother. She's like, he's just a kid. You got to let me see him. But he's over 16. So they are questioning him. And she's like, he's probably scared to death. Cut to Alec, not scared at all, confessing to this entire crime, proud as hell. He acts like it's an honor killing. Nothing that he really describes makes sense. Like He's like, I just got the formaldehyde and the stuff to burn him
2: to scare him. Like, okay, there's other ways to scare someone, make a loud noise, not throw gasoline on him. Then he's like, I got this scalpel and then he he
1: attacked me and he reached for the scalpel. So I just started stabbing him. And it's like, OK, but in his dick, like it just seemed really weird, like the way he was trying to make excuses for everything that happened. Because and he, like, he
2: said he would do it again, which yeah. is a perfect thing to say to police officers and in interrogation if you want to go to jail. Well, then what he also said was I did what my dad would have done. And it's like, where's
1: your dad? He's not around anymore. Okay, so, like, why are you emulating a man who abandoned your family? Oh, did he just abandon? He's not dead? Yeah. No, they said he's not around anymore. Like, he walked out, and it's like, I gotta do what my deadbeat dad would do, you know? Um, So... Basically, it comes out that he went to go attack Josh or or rough him up or whatever, because he thinks Josh raped his sister, Tina, and got her pregnant. Cut to Tina sitting with Debbie Mazar. And she's like, nobody raped me. And then Benson fully outs her for being pregnant. And Debbie Mazar's like, what baby? What baby? And then she like unzips her, you know, Sweat her hoodie and she's got like a three month pregnant stomach. How
2: did Benson know that she was pregnant? Because Alec Bernardi said this guy raped my sister
1: and got her pregnant. Got it. Got it. Got it. So Tina says the sex was consensual. She admits to get wanting to get pregnant on purpose. Like Josh wanted to get a condom and she said not that she didn't want it. So then we cut to this montage of all these girls, these four girls that are friends with
2: Tina all talking. People usually like a movie montage where people uh, put on different outfits, you know, Mm -hmm. but this montage of teen mothers is better. Yeah, I would just like to say this is the top montage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we get this montage
1: of these girls being like, isn't it amazing? We're all going to be young teen moms together. This isn't about the fathers. This is about us. Like we're going to have so much fun. Like, and then like there's varying degrees of parental reaction. Like one dad's just in the back crossing his arms. Like you dumb bitch. And like, she's like, I guess I'll just go on welfare. Cause her dad has a look on his face. Like you're not getting a dime from me. And I think all these parents are thinking, fuck Catholic school did not work. And It doesn't. So then one of the girls actually makes a reference to Bristol Palin is like that vice president lady's daughter got married. It's got got pregnant. Like it's like, yeah, she's not the vice president. And Bristol Palin is not a role model. So and then we get to the ringleader,
2: who is Fidelia. Also, Bristol is a dumb name. I'm sorry. Yeah. What does that even mean? Is it a part of a gun? I don't get what that name is. I don't know what Bristol means.
1: It's always like a place to me because there's a Bristol, Connecticut there. I don't know. So Fidelia Vidal is the ringleader who got (laughs) a better name. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Fidelia Vidal is a dope name. And she's like, she's just like, oh my God, isn't it awesome? We're going to be the hottest milfs on the block. We're blah, blah, blah. Like she's very into this. And we, you know, we found out that she has the one that kind of got pregnant first and gave all these girls this idea. So then Benson
2: gives Fidelia kind of like a harsh reality Well, no, check. first Fidelia is being sassy and oh, rubbing yeah, her yeah, teen yeah. pregnant belly, which looks so real and disgusting. And then, um, no offense to pregnant <laughs> okay, women, okay, I just, okay. I have a phobia. I have a phobia. <laughs> I didn't even touch my sister's pregnant belly. It just really sickens me. But I, I like babies. <laughs> I just have a phobia. So... Um, she's also like, oh, are you jealous Benson? Well, she doesn't say Benson, but she's like, you're old. You wish you were hot as me and had a baby. You wish you had it. Like, truly, I've never seen anyone taunt Benson like this. Like not even the most hardened rapist murderers have ever mouthed off to Benson like Fidelia has. Yeah. So she's
1: mouthing off to Benson being crazy. And then Benson's like claps back and is like, actually, your kid could have a host of problems from Dyslexia to cerebral palsy, like have you thought of any of these things? And the dad, you're like, not gonna go
2: to cot. Like she yeah. goes, your dreams are
1: dead. Like your life is fucking over. That's like essentially what she tells her. Um. So the dad is like, stop bullying my baby or whatever. The dad is weirdly like on her side, like she did nothing wrong in this situation. And then Max shows up. Max is remember Jesse McCartney and the head of the Abstinence Club shows up hugs her as like is it true like it's like meanwhile she's got this massive pregnant belly did you not notice your girlfriend your christian girl catholic girlfriend was getting exponentially fatter every week like it's just crazy that he didn't know
2: and of course he can't be the father because he's captain virgin yeah and he's like you were supposed to be my first
1: and true wife i was supposed to be your first and true husband but then he hugs she's like she kind of says i'm sorry he gives her this hug and you can you might miss it if you're not listening but he goes even christians make mistakes <laughs> i'm
2: like oh really uh, well you know and if there's any crossover it's kind of like we were talking you know the new franchise the housewives of salt lake city this woman's like you know mormons have a dark side and a lot of secrets and it's like yeah we all know you're all twisted yeah, okay? yeah. like <laughs> yeah. we've heard of the 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 like of course we know the secrets and that there's a dark side to like, to like i don't Mormons, think anybody but, i don't think there's one religion that people are like they're all
1: clear they're all good yeah. they're not doing anything wrong everything maybe behind,
2: maybe but yeah. <laughs> um i also want to say the dad finally is a little pissed too because he's like oh who's the fucking father yeah finally the, the dad, dad has who's a moment
1: dad? yeah so we get We're at the precinct. The cops are all kind of having like a powwow to figure out what to do next. We we find out shocker of the episode. Stabler is pro-life. I mean, of course, he's like, if there's no rape or incest, have the baby, give it up for adoption, which is like. I mean, we've talked about that. It's just like a crazy, uh, such a male thing to to think. And then in walks Graylick, the worst actress of all time. I'm sorry to say this if you're a listener, uh, Kim Gray. I I she is my least favorite DA that they ever have. Um you can wait. I in. like the old please tweet at us w- and uh, please tweet at us or, and tell us who your least favorite D.A. is, because it is for me, Kim Gray,
2: with a bullet. Oh, to um, me, it's the old drunk. But also, if Kim Gray, wants to uh, come on the show, we'll have her and we'll change her tune really quickly. No, I'll fight you over the drunk. Christine Lottie is a goddess. I'll fight you.
1: OK, so she comes in basically is like we got to charge the dads of these girls. But one of them is already dead. Two of them are underage as well. And then the only one is Fidelia's baby daddy, who is allegedly 22 years old. So they find out that this guy's name, she doesn't even know his name. She met him one time at a party. His name that she
2: knows is Dizzer.
1: OK, Lisa, what do
2: we know about Dizzer? <laughs> what do we know about Dizzer? He is a word we are not allowed to say. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, he's like a white guy wearing like hip hop clothing, gold chains, and a shirt that says, wh- Rip What is it? Ripping decks, wrecking decks, and getting sex. <laughs> yeah. And when munch and iced tea come, this is my favorite is when people try to befriend iced tea. And it's like, he's not even nice to his son. He's not mm-hmm. going to be nice to you. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I love seeing uh, people try to be like, What up, brother? And he's like, We are not brothers. I'm a fucking cop killer, you know? <laughs> Like, I just, I can't imagine trying to like snuggle up to iced tea ever. Oh, not that way. I, no, not that way. I think there's other ways.
1: <laughs> okay. So we, they go talk to this guy, Dizzer. He's nuts. He doesn't remember.
2: And he's in her. such a Brooklyn store. Like I've been to the store in Williams. Yeah. I have been there.
1: Yeah. They're basically going to try to do paternity, but because the baby's not born yet, Finn and Stabler show up to Fidelia's house just to take her to get an amniocentesis, which is insane. I mean, amniocentesis is like a procedure with risks. It's like not the kind of thing where you're like, get in the cop car. We're taking you to get an amnio. Like it just doesn't work like that. So they try to go get her. And like, wait, what's the little joke? What's the little thing
2: that happens? They try. They go to get her out of her bedroom and the oh, dad's yeah. this trying is to open the door. Classic SVU. What I love is before they show us something horrific, we get a little laugh. And basically he's well, he's like, oh, sure, we'll get her. Hey, pumpkin. Hey, pumpkin. It's like your daughter is a ringleader of a pregnancy pact. She is not a pumpkin, but um, the door is locked and he tries to knock it open and then he's like oh sorry bum shoulder like he makes a little joke that he's not strong enough to like oh maloney can you help me i just yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so stabler has to like use his catholic tattooed arm to
1: fucking bust (laughs) his door open and he they they open the door and fidelia is hanging dead from a ceiling fan yeah so not great
2: yeah so that's what we get we get a joke
1: and then a teen hanging yeah yeah immediately that's they're able to walk that fine line it's a ping pong game So at the top of the next act, we find out that Fidelia's mom, who I think has been drinking a lot, she seems very zonked on pills. She's like, someone was emailing Fidelia, calling her a slut and a whore. And the email address was like Dizzer69 at AOL or something
2: like that. Also, what's funny is they had um, a family computer in the main room, which is so of that time. Like, that's so of that time. And um, I want to give a shout out. That mom is an amazing actress. She really nailed her scene. Yeah, yeah. She was good. So cops think
1: that it's Dizzer who's been calling her a slut and a whore online and stuff, but they do some research, find out that the emails came from an internet cafe. We get a little security cam screen grab. Who is it leaving the internet cafe? Peggy Bernardi, a.k.a. Debbie Mazar. So she admits to bullying Fidelia online. But at this point in the timeline of the show, I I think New York doesn't really have big cyberbullying laws yet. I think now New York and the rest of the country is sort of catching up on that. But at that time... There weren't these cyberbullying laws, so it's like they're trying to figure out like how culpable she is. Um, meanwhile, someone has doxxed Peggy Bernardi, meaning they've revealed where she lives. We show up at her apartment, and there's, as Lisa puts it, a Beauty and the Beast style brigade has shown <laughs> up at the house, which I love because I just think no one in New York ever talks to their neighbors, but on this show, people are like, "Get out of here, rapist neighbor!" Like everyone's always showing up places to like out their neighbors and get mad at them. And then we cut to trial. So Peggy is arraigned and is ordered not to use a computer. She's not allowed.
2: (laughs) This is kind of like me. Um, It was a humiliating moment when I got a call from the FBI um, because of a Twitter argument I got into. And it's like (laughs) to have the government tell you to please get off the Internet is pretty humiliating, I would say. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's really great.
1: Um, okay. So they're reading out these, um, messages online between Peggy disguised as dizzer 69 and Fidelia. And they're on a social media app called be friends spelled F R E N D Z. I'm obsessed with all the various websites and social media platforms that SVU makes up. There's like face union, there's face space, be friends. There's a bunch more. I just found a really great article with all the fake websites that they have on us And it's amazing. I'll post it on our Instagram or something or our Twitter show notes. (laughs) So in one of the messages, right before she signs off, Fidelia says, got to go. Foth is knocking F-A-T-H. And everyone assumes that she just means my dad's knocking. But Tina kind of stands up in court and is like, that's not what that means. Fath is first and true husband, which we actually heard Max say earlier in the episode. So now we cut to the cops interrogating Max and they're just fully interrogating a teen without parents or counsel. Uh, not great police work, but Max admits all this stuff. He's like, I snuck up the fire escape to visit Fidelia. Max goes, we've been together forever. Fidelia is 15 years old. So I just want (laughs) to put that into perspective. He's saying Fidelia was blowing me off. She said she never loved me. She said she was scared to have sex. And then she went and did this. So he actually admits that he choked her to death and then set it up like a suicide. And Max is just like, I've been asking God for forgiveness, but he's not answering me. So God is ghosting Max and he's kind of (laughs) getting an idea of how how that whole thing works.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like you've made up everything else that God told you. Can't you just make it up? Can't you just make up what he's telling you to do now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So wildly, Max
1: gets only four years in prison, which I feel like is must be due to him being like 15 or something, because. He's murdered a pregnant girl. Like that just seems like you'd get more than 4 years. Alec Bernardi gets 15 to life, I think because he's over. They say he's over
2: 16, he might be 18. Yeah, they tried him as an adult cuz that yeah. I remember when I saw that I was like really really shocked by that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so he gets 15 to life for killing
1: Josh and then Peggy's charges are completely dropped. But then Graylick like uh antagonizes her a little bit and then Peggy attacks Graylick. Who, who, to be honest, is being very judgy, I feel like. She's like, hope you can wash the blood off your hands before you hold your grandbaby. Like, okay. I like it, though. Yeah. For
2: hating Lick so much, that's a killer line.
1: I hate Lick, but I feel like a DA would never say something so <laughs> judgmental. But okay, it is a TV show. So she, Peggy attacks Grelick. She's got some kind of little amount of blood behind her ear. But now we're meant to believe that the mom is going to jail. Call her that bitch for assault. Call her that bitch for assault. So now she's apparently going to go to jail, even though we have no idea if it's like her first offense. We don't know what kind of jail time she'd get. It is not
2: her first offense. I'm going to go out (laughs) on a limb and say this bitch has gotten in trouble before. But now
1: we've got little Tina who's pregnant. And like now it's farther along. She's like, you know, she looks like she's seven months or eight months pregnant. And her mom's in jail. Her brother's in jail. You know, her dad took off. So she's got nothing. Her baby daddy is dead. Her baby daddy is dead. But guess what? Her baby granddaddy steps up and he offers to take her in. The guy from the practice, Tom Galley, offers to have her come live with him because I guess they live in the same building. So it wouldn't be a big, (laughs) wouldn't be a big move, you know, so he can be, have his grandchild and take care of this girl who has nobody now. So it is kind of like a rare, rare, like tiny ray of sunshine happening at the end of a very fucked up episode where multiple people are dead.
2: Even the ray of sunshines in SVU are still like, these people need some therapy you know like it's always like i hope these people get the therapy they need because it's like i don't yeah yeah anyway
1: that was babes we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back lisa's gonna walk us through all the real life of it all
2: Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that advertisement. So what's cool about this is it's not an actual crime. So it's a little light and fun after a teen suicide. But (laughs) um, there is also, besides the pregnancy pact, which, uh, you know, took the nation by storm in 2008. I mean, it was the news story of the fucking year. And probably Obama. It It was Obama winning. And then (laughs) pregnancy pact. (laughs) The two biggest things of 'oh eight. Um, But there is there was a real life situation where people were beating the shit out of homeless people and putting it on the Internet, which is disgusting. The red herring kind of crime at the beginning
1: is the whole is the whole uh, street cleaners thing, which is loosely based, I think, on bum fights, which are a series of movies that were produced in like the early 2000s, I think, where actually homeless people were paid to like be in sketches. But I think in some of the sketches, they were definitely fighting each other and it was not it seemed pretty dehumanizing there were four of them yeah from 2002 to 2006 and i think that's definitely where the show pulled this idea from uh it got a lot of criticism like uh homeless advocacy groups were like this is not cool um but (laughs) the one ray of sunshine i guess the one silver lining was that one guy who was in a bunch of the movies actually did sort of make enough money to get off the street so in one case, it helps someone, <laughs> uh, but overall, a pretty deplorable idea.
2: Yeah, you can also just give people money and not make them yeah. box for it. I mean, <laughs> what, yeah. If you make anyone desperate for money do things that they wouldn't do for free, it's not nice anyways okay so let's get to the pregnancy pact let's set the stage and what is the town called i'm gonna say it wrong the whole time gloucester gloucester yeah gloucester massachusetts 2008 i'm gonna set the scene juno is out you know teen mom is out knocked up you know bristol palin teen moms are in fashion right now and also i'd like to say that the girls that got pregnant in this high school deny that there was a pregnancy pact uh they say maybe some of them were but they're eight so basically this high school. It's a Catholic school. 18 girls in one high school got pregnant in the same year. And the nurse, the nurse is like my favorite, the school nurse, Nurse Daily. She says that she administered 150 pregnancy tests that year alone, the most she has ever done. And the reason it's like It's up in the air because the pregnancy pact rumor was started by the priest of the school that was trying to alleviate responsibility because it's like, fucker, you're doing a bad job educating these kids. If everyone's out there getting pregnant, give them condoms, give them education. And so he started the rumor of the pregnancy pact. The nurse thinks that there was a pregnancy pact because she said girls would hysterically cry when the tests would come out negative. So some girls did want to get pregnant and then I feel like some of the girls were like popular and didn't want to be associated with the loser girls. I don't know. I have no idea. Either way, it's a problem, but it's not a crime. And thinking about all this, I'm really upset that all these girls got so much negative attention all. A lot of the interviews afterwards were saying these girls were called slut. People in the town screamed at them everywhere they went, calling them whores. And it's like, well, what about the boys that got them pregnant? Yeah. We hear nothing about these boys. I just found out one thing about this
1: that I had never heard before, which is that one of the girls even sought out a 24-year-old
2: homeless man to get pregnant. The girl denies it. And it's a, it's another thing oh. that the priest said. The The Catholic principal from the school said the girls were desperate and one of them fucked this 24-year-old homeless person to get pregnant which is sad but i don't believe him
1: yeah but that's definitely where svu got yeah oh 100
2: (laughs) percent. but if these boys were 22 why are they not being charged for statutory rape yeah why aren't the boys being called sluts and irresponsible fathers it's like just sexism and how the world works is like so fucked up where these older boys are fucking 15 year old girls without condoms and the girls are being called sluts it's frustrating to me um oh and we forgot Jamie Lynn Spears also was there. Anyways. Um <laughs> and then a funny I don't know if it's funny, but a fun thing about all these teen moms, they have perfect teen mom names. Like one was Kyla, Lindsay, Brianne, Amanda. It's like if anyone's going to be a teen mother, it's going to be these names. You know, <laughs> no Barbaras were getting knocked up. The girls in the episode
1: were Bianca, Tina, Carlotta, and Fidelia. They were clearly trying to make it like a—it's a, a, it's an Italian thing to want to get pregnant when you're 15.
2: Oh, I didn't even catch that. And... There is a documentary. You watched it all the Gloucester
1: 18. Yeah, I watched the Gloucester 18. You have to buy it. There's no way to steal it. Unfortunately, I tried (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's it it is it's like sad because it's like all these girls. I mean, they get them a little bit before it all goes down, but then they get them uh, some of them after. And it's like it's just not they all think it's going to be this like. I think that a lot of teens that want to get pregnant are, they are not getting love from their parents or not getting love from their boyfriend or whatever. And so they're like, this will be unconditional love that I'm getting from a baby, you know, and they just see what it's like to almost babysit, you know, like when you're babysitting, it's like, oh, cute. And now you give it back to the mom, you know, or you put it to bed and you eat all the people's snacks. Like, it's just not the same as like having your body ripped apart, (laughs) like having to feed a baby from your body, like. There's just a lot of work. I have one. I can tell you from experience. And I just don't think it's funny because I think it's very clear that having kids are hard uh, is a hard thing. And Lisa, you're always like, who's
2: telling you it's easy? Who is telling these teens that it's easy? What mother is like, oh, it was a breeze. Even though moms (laughs) that are like, moms aren't honest enough. It's hard. I'm like, they're all honest. It's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Like I've never seen a new mom be like, it's a breeze. They're all stressed out. Right, right. So the, the pregnancy packed
1: documentary, the Gloucester 18, just had like a lot of girls like slowly swinging on swing sets, you know, kind of talking about how they were maybe going to move in with their boyfriend and they were all trying to get um, like spots in the daycare and stuff like that.
2: Oh, I have two things to add. One, I, I'm a very, I was a very avid babysitter. I was a professional babysitter for a long time. Same. And... I had a kid once tell me my mom would like you to stop eating all our bananas. What a bitch. Like, (laughs) I'm taking care of your kid. I can't have one banana. Bananas are 19 cents each, bitch. Calm down. And she wouldn't tell me. She made her son tell me to stop eating the bananas. And he's like, yeah, my mom says you don't work hard enough. I'm like, you assholes. I'm telling you now I can tell you worked hard enough because that sounds like a shitty family. Um, yeah, they're a capitalist family. I also want to say of all the crimes we research and everything we watch, like, I don't know why it's so horrific to just see a pregnant teen in like p- like pajama pant bottoms and a like mm. a spaghetti strap tank top just sitting in a s- tiny kitchen. I, there's something just so sad and horrific about it. And it's weird because we're also you know, researching Casey Anthony, murdering her baby. And I'm like, this is worse. I it's yeah. I don't know why. And a big thing about a lot of the interviews and pieces that the kids did was one of them, Kyla, she was, she said, there was never a moment where I didn't think I would keep him. And the mom is just nodding in the background. And I'm sure it's the Catholic thing, but it's just so crazy mm. that abortion's not talked about at Oh, at though all. We, we've said though not in the doc, but no. like we've said out of the 18
1: pregnancies, there were definitely a couple abortions. Right. Yeah, like some 18 girls. of them didn't have kids. Yeah,
2: correct. Yeah. And one of the wild things that the school actually had a daycare, but there were only seven spots. And so the teens started like not fighting, but like they had to get one of the Stressing out <laughs> about getting child care. <laughs> Yeah! Um, oh my God! For those don't that don't know, Kara's husband is a uh, what is it? Not a postmaster, uh, like okay, a dungeon master, <laughs> a dungeon role play master, and so me, Kara and her from Megan Gailey, we do a coven, um, like weekly, biweekly. Which fantasy role play game and I was a single mother once every two weeks in a fantasy game for two hours and I was stressed out about child care yeah we had to write Lisa's we had to write Lisa's character's
1: child off to boarding school because Lisa was just like she kept being like well what do I do about my daughter we were like it doesn't matter you have a fictional 10 year old nobody cares like she was like this is stressing me out I was like I love how you being a mom for two hours every two weeks is just like untenable you cannot
2: handle it. no and now add fucking getting a high school diploma it's just really really bad and then you know we talk about like why this all got attention it's a poor town it was a quiet fishing village does race play a part in all this does class play a part in all this like I'm sure there's tons of high schools in America where tons of teens are getting pregnant there was something so sensationalized about this Gloucester 18 and this pregnancy pact that might not even be real
1: yeah. I mean, it sounds kind of like the school created the idea of the pact to put, take blame off their own shoulders because they were not providing contraception, not providing education, you know, like. And so they were just like, oh, this isn't our fault. This is because they all schemed together and came up with this crazy idea to get pregnant together, to be Jamie Lynn Spears's together. And like, it's.
2: Yeah. And then the one if we can call hero in all this is Nurse Daly. And she left her job and resigned and was like, Fuck this. Like, you guys are not taking responsibility. We're not doing anything to help these girls not get pregnant. And um, she was just mad about all the hoopla and everything. And she's like, there is an actual problem with teen pregnancies and not enough condoms. And let's help solve these problems, like you said. So the nurse Mm -hmm. is like the one progressive smart person in all of this and so she's kind of amazing and yeah the girls are just fucking moms now i don't know what to say that's the end it's interesting
1: i don't really have a source but i have read that like shows like teen mom have actually pushed the teen pregnancy rate down i hope so so because like it's like people are like they're glamorizing it i'm like i don't think they're really glamorizing it they're not making it seem good
2: no because all on teen mom any it, it's a depressing show for sure yeah i don't watch it because it's too depressing for me and some of them ended up having second kids too like within three years and stuff which is shocking yeah. but yeah like you well, like we mentioned earlier one of the girls in an article was like who like ah oh, i didn't know it was gonna be this hard and it's like I I don't know why you didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think um, when in eighth grade, we were extra credit, our health class, we can take a fake baby home if we wanted. And I never wanted it. I knew I wasn't going to have children from a very young age. I was not interested in that, but there was a girl I didn't like. And so when she went to buy lunch, I took her baby and I put the head back over and over and over again. So she would get a bad grade. So that's my, uh, my experience with health class, <gasps> but yeah, uh,
1: I guess, you know, people don't change. Um, listen, I wanted to bring up the Pregnancy Pack Lifetime movie, though, too. Did you ever, did you see that? Well, yeah, because I
2: love fucking Thora Birch. I think she's amazing. Yeah. From now and then to American Beauty, fucking Hocus Pocus. She really is so much of my childhood and teen years. I love Thora Birch. Where is she? Where'd she the, go?
1: Poster, the poster of that movie just had a resurgence because the entire cast of Vanderpump Rules, a show that Lisa and I watch, recently became pregnant basically at the same time. And they redid this pregnancy pack poster with all of their faces on it. So, uh,
2: you know, just uh, I'll put, we'll post it on the Instagram if you're interested. <laughs> but yeah, so this is kind of a light crime, I guess, you know, um, in terms of where we're going to go in other episodes and compare it to uh, everything else. And SVU did an amazing job of taking just a chill teen pregnancy situation and turning it into a suicide internet death threat thing, which is yeah, great. Nobody
1: got murdered in the real pregnancy pact, luckily. <laughs> and they also kind of, I mean, they did call it a pact and they did it the same stuff, but it was only four girls, like 18 girls is a really, really bonkers number of girls to get pregnant at the same time in one high school (sighs) y'all gotta start putting some condoms and baskets at the library or something
2: yeah and i just look at my life and i'm so grateful for the travel and the partying and the hangouts and the festivals (laughs) and the parades i went to just all of these things that even when i hear of people like that turn 22 get married have a kid and like our teachers i'm like wait, what? Don't you want to see Thailand? I just am like so (laughs) confused by the rush to do those things. So, but if, you know, if that's your choice see fun. i saw thailand and now i have a kid so that
0: good. makes i never sense. have to go anywhere again yeah.
2: <laughs> i love the irony of kara uh talking about them not having access to contraception and then in the background just the loudest scream <laughs> <of her>
1: daughter. <laughs> my daughter just slamming a maraca against the ground
2: <laughs> well no because i feel you're um you're married you have a great partner you have enough money for child care you have friends with kids and it's still a nightmare not a nightmare but it's still
1: hard <laughs> It's still hard. Lisa, tell, tell me how you really feel about my life. Well, no, it's
2: just. It's no, it is. Hard. But it is. It is. And it Rosie's is a maniac. It's, Rosie. It it's far. Yeah. It's follows, far from a nightmare. No, it's but it far is, from it a nightmare. She's so cute. But Rosie follows in her mother Kara's footsteps and she's a busy baby. <laughs> she's out there. She's opening drawers. She's taking out bowls. She wants to go yeah, to the bar cart. She's saying she just started saying, oh, fuck last week. So we're. <laughs> I mean, you say nightmare, I say dream. I think I'm living the dream. No, Uh. it is. I just meant in terms of even when you have a home and support and financial stability. It's it's always hard. hard. It's hard. Yeah. I accept when you're like
1: one of the real housewives that has like three nannies per child and you're like, it's so hard being a mom. For you, it's
2: not hard. I know Camille Grammer is tweeting about socialism (sighs) today and I'm like. Bitch, you live off rich men. Okay, that's socialism. What are you against? Anyways. Yeah, for more housewives, uh, go to our Patreon. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> and we have an amazing
1: guest. Oh, yeah. We have a guest that's gonna blow open a lot of questions we had about the episode. I'm really excited. That's coming up. Okay, guys, our interview coming up is with a extremely talented filmmaker and actor from Brooklyn, New York. She is now getting into the directing game and has a horror anthology movie coming out this year called Phobias. So keep an eye out for that. She's also in development on a project called Hunger, a a possession movie. And you can catch her coming up in a movie called Off Season, directed by Mickey
2: Keating. We are so thrilled that we got to interview Fidelia, a.k.a. Jess Varley. People listening, you, they can't look at you. We see you. And it's wild because <laughs> Babes is one of our f- favorite SVU episodes. And you, you're you just Fidelia. And it's insane. <laughs> and what you did that very few people have done on SVU is you do, like, a speech to Benson trying to insult. Like, it is the most epic. <laughs> you while come for Benson. Your teen pregnant <laughs> belly. And it is just... It's amazing. I want to hear about that scene and
0: taping in everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's a real sassy one, isn't she? (laughs) Um, Honestly, it was such a good experience. It was literally like I had, I had, I went to LaGuardia. So I like started acting in high school and I'd done a couple of commercials, but that was like my first, you know, dramatic acting job on a set. And honestly, the best thing, like, I mean, I just turned 30, I'm still working in the industry and a lot of it has to do with that experience. Um, because like, I remember getting on set and being like, wow, everybody eats together and they're all friends, you know, (laughs) because like usually, especially commercial shoots, you know, you're in, you're out, it's a quick job. Um, but it was the first time I I had really like experienced, it sounds cheesy, but it's like the first time I really experienced community on a set. And I was like, I want that. I'm also an only child. So I was like, friends, you know,
2: No, I always say being
0: on a set is like summer camp. It's summer camp. a thousand percent. That's always what I say too. Um, yeah. So it was really good vibes. Like, I mean, even Mariska Hargitay was like so sweetly being like, okay, so that's your mark, you know, like explaining like a little, you know, like she's kind of coaching me through They're so gracious and sweet. They work with, you know, so many people coming through there all the time. Um, everyone was great. I'm still friends with Ray Abruzzo, who played my dad on the show. We reconnected like oh, a couple wow. of years ago. <laughs> (laughs) Um, and everyone's great. Like even Jesse McCarty, like I remember when we were all eating lunch and like we had a bunch of shoot to we we'd already shot some stuff and we were gonna shoot after. It's like the really dramatic scene where like he opens the door and rushes in and like we embrace each other, whatever. Um I remember him just being like, Okay, so after lunch, like this is your money shot, you know? It was (laughs) it was so sweet because everybody was so just like gracious and sweet and helpful and nice. like I don't it it honestly was a great experience did you watch SVU before
2: you got I want to know the moment you got the call that you got the part like being your first (laughs) big
0: part like how did you feel I felt great. It was awesome. And also was like, you know, as an actor in New York, you know, a young actor in New York, you're like law and order. Like, and also this was back in the day, this was before, you know, there was girls and all these shoes, these shows shooting in New York. So it was like, you're either going to be on law and order SVU, law and order, criminal intent, you know, it was like soap opera basically, you know? Um, uh, but I mean, I was super thrilled. Like I remember going in, having the audition, um, And yeah, it was just, I remember even like, I think at that point, like I didn't even have a headshot, you know, like I gave them a resume with a photo my friend took of me, you know, like (laughs) I printed out that I printed out from my computer on like paper. (laughs) Um, But there was something about you that they were
1: like, she can tell Benson that she's too old. (laughs) Yeah. Oh
0: my God. Yeah. Some of those lines I'm like,
1: Hmm. Spicy. it's like nobody but- ever
2: sasses benson that way
1: no. you did
2: and
0: then it's the true. fact that
2: benson just is like your kid might have cerebral palsy and then suddenly you like shrink a little bit and i know did you um did you know like the the true story
1: of like the pregnancy pact um at all yes
0: actually because i think i had heard about it in the news before this all happened um so i was aware and it was like, and also being like the quote unquote ringleader of the yes, podcast, like, you know, cause there's also like, I mean, there's some amazing people in the episode too. Like Britt Robertson's in it. Um, Debbie Mazur's Debbie, in it. Debbie <laughs> My, like I, you know, I'm a blondie, but you know, all my family in Brooklyn is super Italian so I felt at least like okay I'm getting getting to, through to my roots here but um yeah yeah. and Dizzer, D- oh, Dizzer. did you ever get to meet Dizzer <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's funny actually I'm trying to think did we have I guess we didn't have a scene together but yeah when then when you see him the way they have him in like the record store being like yo 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 what's up oh my man. gosh <laughs> like, a truly problematic terrible. character <laughs> Wait, either this
2: is this will be a fun game. Either or. Jesse McCartney or Dizzer.
0: <laughs> ooh, I want to go with Jesse McCartney because he was such a lovely guy. But then I feel like knowing myself in the past, I probably would have made the mistake of dating a Dizzer or two. You know what I'm saying? Yes.
1: Wait, I'm not really positive about the timeline, but with Jesse McCartney, he was already like kind of a teen heartthrob singer at that time, right? So were you kind of he like, was. ooh. Yeah.
0: Oh, Jesse McCarthy. I think actually funnily enough I don't think I knew that we were cast opposite each other like until I got to set that night and I was like oh Jesse that's my name and then I was like Jesse Jessie again and then I was like oh it's Jesse like, yeah I mean I especially like at the time too like totally you know I was like oh my god this is this is great and and again he and it, he was just so sweet like I honestly can't tell you how nice he was like everyone really just took their time and was just I' don't I don't know. It really, even still to say, I'm like, man, everyone really like. It was a very good introduction to like the community, you know. I bet. Curious about
2: um like hair and makeup and the belly. How long did it take? Like, how did they make the belly? It looks so real, by the way. Like, it looks like true skin when you're like rubbing it.
0: Well, there, there actually is a body double for the it's a body like double. Where the one shot where i rub the pregnant belly that is a true i knew it i was like that cannot be silicone like it looks Uh, like real skin look at you detective Uh (laughs) now the truth comes out so yeah it was like it was a body double and um my belly because i remember because especially because i did it again on the other episode it's basically like you know it's it's made out of like sort of like a foam you know and it's like a bump and then you put on spanks over it (laughs) And, uh, and that's the look. And then they can adjust it depending on how many months they want you to be. Like there was, I think there might've even not like a pillow underneath, but it was like they could stuff stuff underneath it to basically make it go out further. Um, but yeah, once I put it on the second time, I was like, what's happening here? This is weird. And then another thing we're so
2: curious about within the episode is, is that a body double hang? I mean, you have a tragic murder. Oh,
0: you know, it's all fun and games. And then you're hanging For from a sure. ceiling fan. <laughs> I mean, um- my, my dad, my dad is still having trouble unseeing seeing this image. Um, uh, it actually is me hanging up there. Oh, my God. And the way they do it is um, they basically put you in a harness that goes around oh, yeah, your yeah, clothes. Yeah. And it, like, holds your feet from the bottom. And, you know, you just oh my gosh uh, it was weird like even for me afterwards like you know i didn't really think much of it because you're just acting it's a quick shot but like afterwards i kind of was like i was sort of like a weird position to be in you know it's it's like perspective for sure yeah how long did you have to hang there for the scene i think it was pretty quick because it's like they just come in and see me there so i mean at any given time you know it was probably just a couple minutes like we try to shoot it out pretty quick So
1: do you have any funny stories from the set or like Mm. any
2: goss so much?
0: I'm trying to think of anything juicy. I mean, I mean, I was only like probably 16 when we shot it. So my mom was on set with me at the time. And my mom is, she has like a background in social work and, you know, a lot of the SVU content stuff. And mm. I remember like Mariska Hargitay's lines in that scene, she had like triple the lines and it was so wordy that even she was like, can we cut this down? You know, she's like, oh, you're being to be on for support you know food stamps and blah, blah, blah. It like it just kept going on and on and on and my mom like kind of chimes in she's like you know I don't want to interrupt but actually some of this is um factually incorrect actually and so the writers <laughs> are with her the writers are with my mom I'm like oh okay tell us tell us so I was like well actually you know what would happen is this this and this and they're like okay okay they literally took my mom's notes which is hilarious Amazing. and shortly after that you know I started going to these things on my own of course but you know at the time you you know, and again, also everyone was so sweet to her. Like, you know, they gave her like a little director's chair to sit in. And, but they legit took my mom's notes. Well, on, I hope like, she got a consultant checking. fee. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, she might be owed that. Were you <laughs> embarrassed or were you into it? I was super embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> super embarrassed like oh my god mom please stop you know <laughs> but uh, but in the in the end i think i think hargitay was pretty relieved because it helped cut down some of the tongue twisters that she'd been trying to get out thank you so much jess yeah, have an you. awesome rest of your day this was so fun thank you it was awesome
1: That was
2: incredible. Oh my gosh. What a dream. What a treat. Uh, I like that. Everyone just gives us what we want to hear, which is that Mariska is an angel on earth. Yeah. And everybody, I mean, everybody has said, we've heard SVU is a well-oiled machine. It's a
1: family. It's a community. Like, I mean, Lisa, I just can't believe you couldn't get it together to hand that paper (laughs) to somebody and just get a small part on the show. You could have been eating lunch. No. Feet away from Mariska Hargitay. This
2: needs to be ca- the, the most successful podcast in the world. And so then that we'll we get SV. That's pretty much why we parts. did this. Right? Yeah, we did that for this reason. I'm like trying to get, we're playing the long game.
1: <laughs> yeah, we could play like Jew Evil Sisters. Yeah, or I would even be like
2: arguing with, with you walking down the street and we like see yes, a foot coming what, out of a bush. I also loved hearing that Jess was really hanging from the ceiling fan. Yes. And the, and the body double. You I thought that. Oh,
1: that was so good.
2: But and I thought there was a body double for the hanging. The hand and no, fan. and I'm glad her dad was. Um, what's it called? Tortured by it? No, what, what her, did she say? Her she dad said was, her dad like ha- can't get the image out of his head. Yeah, yeah. probably tortured by it. <laughs> and, yeah, I want to say my number one lesson that I would like to give to everyone for this post mortem is get an abortion. Yeah. <laughs> what I I don't understand. In the real town and in the fake town, all of it, it's these kids being like, I never thought of anything else. I'm horrified. And when Olivia Benson tells you, here's X,
1: Y, Z, like 20 reasons why this is not a good idea. Yeah. I'm like running to Planned Parenthood.
2: Yeah. I just please encourage people to get (sighs) abortions. Um, you don't need to have a baby at 16 and it's just tough for me because I sound extra judgmental and crazy because I just don't want to have children and I never have had the urge. So sometimes I just truly don't understand. Yeah, well, I understand that. And
1: it's just like. If you think that it's not going to completely alter your life when you're 16
2: and com- and seriously hinder a lot of your dreams, you're crazy because you we know adults that are getting having babies and you're like, oh, this bitch is not going to yeah. handle it. Oh, you're yeah. Like, what? <laughs> this bitch does not know what she's about to get into and people in their mid 30s where I'm like, this isn't going to go well. Yeah. I mean, you're a great mother. Thank you. Um, I love watching you parent it's like you're organized as hell you plan everything you keep you keep track of the foods when are they napping what's going on and still it's a nightmare you're the most prepared person <laughs> you're on top of it And we you hang love out Lisa's child. basically
1: just observing a, a nightmare the whole time
2: because <laughs> no, your kids are so cute well your kid, yeah like Rosie's so cute but it's still I walk I watched her just walk into a hot tub yeah she, she was wearing, wearing floaties, <laughs> everybody. We have to give another lesson. <laughs> don't cyber bully teens yeah. if you're a grown up. Yeah.
1: Even if you're a teen. If you're a teen, don't do it. But if you're a grown up, especially don't do it. Also, don't go for a white guy named Dizzer who's like trying to be a DJ and like a player. Yeah. Yeah. You got to just stay with, steer clear of Dizzer.
2: Do not date them. Do not fuck them. They will not pay child support. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. And don't don't use your black scent to a black police officer to try to get friendly with them. They won't like it. They're not going to like it. And um,
1: I'd say steer clear of the abstinence club in high school. If your high school even
2: has one, come on. Could they be more boring? These people. I do have to admit that in high school, I tried to start a no smoking club because I was anti cigarettes, which is Lisa. I am dying. Oh, my God. I asked all these teachers I'm like, "Will you be the teacher sponsor to my no smoking club?" And every teacher was like, "Nah." They're like, I, "I'll let
1: you know after my cigarette break." Um that is so funny. You're like, "Our virgin
2: lungs." Like you're like the same thing as a chastity club. But I was smoking Newport's junior year, so like I don't understand what I was thinking. And that's the same with abstinence, like I don't know. My senior, I mean, I'm not really an academic um, and I went to a weird evangelical college. So it wasn't that hard, but my senior paper and everything was about the concept of virginity, absence only education. And virginity is not real. Uh, Women, sex is not for somebody. Like fuck to have a good time. Do not be abstinent unless you really want to. I don't know. Unless that's what's in your heart, I guess. But they're tricking you. They're tricking you into thinking like, Teen dick is gonna change your life, or it's just it's taught weird, it's awful. I don't know. It's just too much to handle. It's just too much. I just I'll tell you something. Teen dick then
1: never done changed anybody's life in a good way.
0: No, (laughs) so
1: I think that's
2: we're putting that on a (laughs) t-shirt. That's a merch. (laughs) That's a merch. (laughs) That is a merch. I'd um. Yeah, we learned Debbie Mazar, a queen of the world.
1: Yes, Debbie Mazar, untouchable. Madonna's best friend, untouchable. Yeah. Love her.
2: It's so great. Um, and at the end, you know, if all else fails, your ex-boyfriend who was burned to death's dad might help you out. Oh, You yeah. forgot about that. That was sweet. That was a sweet ending. <laughs> that was a sweet ending. Yeah. And don't let, don't, peer pressure sucks. Do not get peer pressured by your friends to get pregnant. Yeah, This is a dark one but not dark. I don't know. This was fun. No, I mean, you know, it's like what
1: happened in real life was many of them had the kids, but a few of them got abortions. I'd love to talk to both sides and see
2: who's having a better time. No, the abortion parent, they had their kids. They were like, you're not talking to my kids. We're not doing press. Yeah. The only ones that probably did press are the ones that had the baby because they need some money.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't know what they got from like that Amazon doc. You and I paid for it, but I don't know how many other people are paying for it. Anyway, that's our postmortem for today's episode, guys. I hope you take uh, everything you learned there. And you
2: can have sex as a teen. Just wear a condom. Yeah. Or be a make under sure control. it's for your pleasure yeah. and not with a dizzer. Never with a dizzer.
1: Okay. And now it is time for. WWSPD, What Would Sister Peg Do? Where we direct you towards resources, information that have to do with the topic that we tackled in today's episode. Obviously, teen pregnancy, uh, something that we talked very thoroughly about. And we would like to. Have everybody obviously check out Planned Parenthood. A lot of misconceptions about Planned Parenthood, that they're only about abortions. They actually provide a myriad of medical services for women that are extremely important. I am a super proud supporter of Planned Parenthood. I donate in Mike Pence's name every single month. So just go to www.plannedparenthood.org and um, check out how you can get more information about your local chapter.
2: And next week, we'll be covering Counterfeit, which is season three, episode 14. As always, you can watch all of SVU on Hulu, Peacock or buy it, I
1: guess. (laughs) Another thing, people, if you're like driving in your car right now and you don't have time to write down Counterfeit season three, we do post every single Thursday on our Twitter and our Instagram what the upcoming episode will be about so that you have like four days to do your homework
2: thank you so much for listening and engaging on the internet with us i don't spend enough time on my phone so thank you so much
1: (laughs) if you have episodes you want us to do send us an email message us on insta or twitter and um guys let's let's just get into 2021 see you next week
2: That's Messed Up is an exactly right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at that's messed up pod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmesseduppod and on Twitter at
1: messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese.
2: As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer and fellow SVU superfan, Hannah Kyle Creighton. Thank you to our
1: heroes, Stephen Ray Morris and Annalise Nelson, our engineers. To Henry Kapersky, musical extraordinaire for our theme song. To our artistic queen, Carly Jean Andrews, for all of our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstar, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media.
2: Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dun-dun!